This time on the Rule Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. You think that's a big part of our military? So that Lloyd Austin has to go through the military and weed out all these haters? It just doesn't make any sense. And you're going to keep on doing that. You're going to keep on separating this country. You're going to keep on giving the Frank Jameses, you're going to give them reason to rebel against America, which is what he did. It's happened. It's right there in front of us. At the same time, we're coming together. We're disagreeing. That's what America's about. We're disagreeing. We're arguing. But we're not hating each other. We need to call each other names and throw rocks at each other. It's got to stop because pretty soon we're going to be in the same situation one way or another as, you know, what's going on in Ukraine. We're going to be there. You know, maybe it won't be the same thing, but it's going to be a situation. And you take a look at Ukraine. Everyone in that country has got to come together and handle that problem, handle the Russian invasion. In one way, shape, or form, we're going to have to come together to handle that. Trousers and motorcycle boots And a black leather jacket with his name on the back He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Right Radio His name is New York Mike And welcome to the show This is Roll Right Radio I'm New York Mike This is Roll Right Radio Yeah, it is, and I'm New York Mike It's a great week I want to wish everybody a happy Easter and a happy Passover And a few things I want to talk about in today's podcast that don't have much to do with that. But at the same time, it seems like everything has to do with everything else. America was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And here we are, Easter weekend. I'm not a Christian, but I believe Easter's got to be the most holy day in the Christian year. So it's something that we're definitely going to talk about. But I want to talk about in the context of this weekend being Passover, the first night of Passover is tonight. And so there is a confluence of everything going on, as, as with everything else. There's so many things I want to talk about. Are you aware of the Shanghai, that's the Shanghai, China, the lockdown going on there? We want to talk about that. I want to talk about Elon Musk. I want to talk about what's going on at the border. But there's an issue that just has to be talked about, not just today or whatever, but you know, this Frank James, this subway shooting that took place in Brooklyn, New York, just the other day. And it brought to mind, as I'm watching this going on, what I've been ranting about for as long as I can remember, in a couple of years anyway, I'm watching what's going on. How do I call it? You want to call it protesting? It's like a revival of... The civil rights said, like somebody missed the 1950s and the 1960s and said, we, we got to bring that back. Hold it. Let's go back to where we left off in 1965 and 6 and 7. How about 1968, the Democrat convention in Chicago then? Let's go back. Wait a minute. And that seems to be what we've done. And I guess it was Colin Kaepernick kind of like looked at, you know, he's probably in junior high school studying the 1968 hits and all that. He said, why don't we have those today? Man, why do I have to stand online and do, do all this stuff? I should be a NFL quarterback tomorrow. We, why? Because, well, because uh, they owe me. The country owes me. I see what's going on. I'm not blind. I'm not stupid. I'm a black kid. The adoptive parents are white. And I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm a black kid and, and I got rights. And I'm going to get treated like that, or I'm going to rebel against everything. So that was Colin Kaepernick. And I think since this sudden awakening, I guess Al Sharpton, he got successful with his network TV shows and all the rest of it, and all these other civil rights leaders, they were falling asleep on the job. Louis Farrakhan got lost behind his bow tie, and so I guess it was time to to wake up 
and say, we want more from America. We were slaves. Our families came here from Africa as slaves, and we were three-fifths of a person. And we and Okay. I thought we've come a long way. I remember fighting for civil rights, fighting to desegregate the South and doing all that and doing these things. But the only thing that I see in this whole quandary of the craziness of America, of being a more perfect union every day, striving for you know better things, I don't hear a lot of the people who are victims of whatever it was when you came here. You know, the Irish, the Italians, I mean, every, okay. But I guess the blacks were slaves, and that's a bad thing. That's a really bad thing. We pay a big price in America by victimizing blacks. But it's working so well that we now include all people of color. In my day, a polite term for black people was Negro or colored. German Jews used the term Schwarzer because Schwartz is black in German. But soon, by the 50s for sure, Schwarzer took on a derogatory connotation. But it, was, it never started out that way. So there's no question that these pronouns are important in how we address each other. Like the difference when we refer to products made in Japan as Japanese versus Jap, a Jap bike, a Jap car. We do that versus rice rocket. Okay, so it's Japanese. We call it a Jap bike because I'm relating it to the motorcycle world. But it's okay to say rice rocket. Now, that's because the rocket part, it's very fast. And the motorcycles made in Japan, for the most part, we look at them, not all of them, but those rice rockets, those crotch rockets, the one that you get down, you bend over the handlebars, you go really fast. So the rocket part is complimentary. It's confusing to me. If I say a Jap bike, people look at me and, and believe me, I've been told, I say Japanese, no, it's a Jap bike. But I can call it a, a rice rocket, and that's okay. So, you know, all these pronouns, certain things become acceptable. You don't use the word Negro or colored people. Well, maybe you do, but then instead of colored people, it's people of color. I don't know which is acceptable. I think words mean things, as Rush Limbaugh used to say. But they can also be very confusing, especially now as the term pronoun. It's become such an emphasized part of the lingo of the left, especially highlighted because it's a focus of the education system, the educated elite who teach our children to accept anything a person wants to use to describe their sexuality or gender preference by the pronouns, he, she, whatever, not being part of this educated I'm not sure of what other pronouns there are, excuse me. Otherwise, you're insulting that person, which we're talking about the other child, for the most part. Because I hadn't reached up to how the 20-year-olds and the 30-year-olds, I'm so out of touch. The insult is being treated just like it's a major crime. Yes, by children. And they're being expelled from schools. This is what's going on. It seems silly. But if you call a person by the wrong pronoun, you can get in a lot of trouble these days in, in the school systems. It's everywhere, but basically we're talking about kids. Now, clearly this focus on total acceptability is the normalizing of what we used to think of, and some of us still do, as abnormal, okay? They're trying to make everything acceptable. I want to tell this story, and I'm doing it for a reason. There's a purpose here. I started off talking about Frank James and what he did on the subway, and I talk about Kaepernick and this whole black thing. But I want to talk about June 28th of 1969. The Stonewall Inn in New York City was raided by police. Now, it was raided for a lot of reasons. It was a gay bar in New York City, which was a very popular gay bar, and it didn't have a liquor license. Of course, you got to understand, it probably it didn't have a liquor license because it was a gay bar, and they couldn't get their liquor license. So they just did business and poured liquor and did everything. But 
That raid sparked a fire that continues to rage today. So what began as a backlash to the hatred and discrimination as culturally acceptable as segregation was in the South, and it was, it sparked the formation of gay rights organizations, organizations that maybe you, you never heard of, but the Human Rights Campaign, GLAD, which is Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, PFLAG, Parents, Families, and Friends of Lesbians and Gays, and Queer Nation. And now, you know, you got the whole LGBTQ whatever. But this pushback, and maybe it started as pushback and then became a backlash, has now become a serious integration of what was up until so recently, right up until the 20th century, unnatural and unacceptable and unlawful. In 1969, in New York, it was unlawful to be gay. That's a fact. So these unlawful sexual practices, they've made them normal, politically preferential sexual practices and sexually oriented, for lack of a better term, it's a cultural shift. And now this is starting to see a pushback to its invasion of two-gender sexuality. It, you know, it extends to our children as it influences our educational institutions. What they've done in putting together all these groups and this pushback against the prejudice, and it's more than prejudice, against anything homosexual. Pushback is now invading our institutions in kindergarten. Is that our institution? In some cases, even earlier, to explain, to teach that basically anything from gay to trans anything is more normal than what was the staple of the family unit, old-fashioned heterosexual sexuality. There's a lesson here, and it's not to throw rocks. It's to understand the cultural changes, to work within the cultural framework, accept what's appropriate, and stand up to what is it. We've seen how this works in the Virginia governor's race. We've seen it. We should understand by now that if you work within the system in America, you could change things. I don't want to bash the people that we don't agree with, but to do what they did, organize, find the fine line and establish what works for us all, not backlash, pushback. And there's a big difference. Pushing back is saying, hey, enough. Backlash is getting even. It's punching back. I want to push back and say enough's enough. Now, what does this have to do with Frank James, the subway shooter? Maybe everything. We've seen a lot of changes in our attitude towards the gay community, and that's an understatement. In the 19th century, being gay was criminal, and in some places, punishable by death. And it still is in some places in the world. In the Muslim countries, like Iran, if you're gay, you're dead. Matter of fact, it's worse because you're tortured. They throw them off tall buildings. That's today. Being gay was a criminal offense in New York City in the 60s. And the raid on Stonewall highlighted it. It was a turning point. It didn't have a liquor license. Okay, so they raided and people... I remember that. I was a little kid, but I remember that. Okay, I wasn't that little kid. But was that a reason to close it down? Maybe they could have closed it down at 12 o'clock in the afternoon when the guy came to open it up, and they could have given him a summons or whatever they do. But it couldn't get a license because it catered to gays. We could put together a long list of hardships and even atrocities. And I mean atrocities. You're talking about lynching. You're talking about all kinds of horrible things against gays worldwide. And the pushback since 1969 has been relentless. But no one is saying we're an anti-gay nation. No one is extorting major companies to hire gays. Although, they, listen, there's a lot of gay preference going on, and that's just a fact. And I'm not going to make light of it. I have friends in Hollywood. And the media as well, the people aren't 
telling gay people they can't achieve parity and equality in the marketplace of work, creativity, or any place else. Let's understand something. I know people who work in Hollywood, and if you want to get a job and, you know, be a, a commercial, for a while now, the black community is taking advantage of that and saying, hey, we want to get our piece of the rock. So you look at commercial. These things go on all the time. And I'm not here to bash people taking advantage of their situation. I'm here to bash the fact that people are calling us a racist nation. That's what I'm here to bash. What pushes people to think it's okay to shoot up a, a train or anything else because they feel that their people have been prejudiced against, have been treated unfairly? What gives people the right to kneel at our national anthem in huge public gatherings, football games or basketball games? What gives people feel entitled to say, hey, I'm going to bash this or I'm going to break that or I'm going to blow this up. Oh, this is a horrible, terrible, racist country. And you're a racist if you're a white person. What gives people the right to do that? That's what I'm bashing. And what I'm trying to show is how people have persevered under the worst situations. And don't compare horrible situations to other horror. Don't tell me slavery is worse than death. Okay, what's worse? What's worse? How Jews have been treated throughout the century? Did you ever look at some of the things that Jews have gone through from the beginning of time? From the first? It's horrible. The medieval times were horrendous. All the Jews in Paris in the 1300s, 1400s were just rounded up and kicked out. Think about all that. And here in America, we still, to this day, the number one target of hate crimes. It's not blacks, it's not gays, it's Jews, year after year after year. So that doesn't mean this is an anti-Jewish country. It doesn't. Whatever else it means, whether it's the prejudice against blacks, the prejudice against the only one where people universally are involved in this, this, I don't know what you would call it, this ongoing victimhood of blacks, that they can't achieve parity in the marketplace, that they can't get a fair deal, they can't get a fair trial. There's too many in prison. This language, the Jim Crow is bad, but lynching, it just... Banning people, lynching people, shunning people, no jobs, every kind of whatever has been associated with the hardships that black have endured, except slavery, has been experienced by gays. And right now, we still have issues. But gays, which is now, like I said, the LBGTQ, aren't being told they're entitled to reparations, affirmative action guaranteed jobs or political, you know, representation such as we're going to find a president, vice president who's gay. We're going to find a member of the uh, Supreme Court. We haven't seen that. And we don't see gays ranting about taking vengeance or killing straight people. But Frank James did all that and more. And that should be a wake-up call for everything that's going on. We cannot continue, okay? Saying I have white privilege, that's just bullshit. I hate that. That's as big a racial slur. It says a black or a colored person or a person of color is underprivileged, that they're disadvantaged, deprived, and downtrodden. Black people are told they don't have a chance for success unless it's given to them by the government by the generosity of strangers. So the backlash shouldn't surprise anyone. When a cop shoots a criminal, if that person is black, it's called police brutality and it's front page news for weeks and months. There are big issues facing America and we have to face it together. Jews, gays, blacks, Polacks, you know, Italians, Irish, 
And now it just brings us to this Easter weekend. Easter and Passover coming together. We need to come together. We don't have to agree. I don't think, as a Jew, I don't think Jesus was a God. Am I a, a criminal? Well, when I was a little kid, I was 10 to 12 years old. My friends, and I mean friends, good friends, they would argue. They would tell me that we Jews killed Jesus, that I killed Jesus, that I was responsible. They, they, they did. They personalized it. That's the way it was. I've had more than one or two fistfights with friends over that issue, okay? But in today's world, we've learned to live together, to come together. I respect the fact that, and I always did, that my Christian friends believed that the resurrection, Jesus was the Son of God, that, you know, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Spirit, and the whole thing. That's their belief. They're entitled to that belief. I don't think I'm entitled to make fun of it. It's a sincerely held belief. And why would I spend time bashing what they believe in? But we've come together. And there's still horrible prejudice against Jews. And here we are celebrating Passover. My favorite of all Jewish holidays was always Passover. I really did enjoy it. And I, I relished in the fact that it celebrated us rising up when we were slaves in Egypt and rising up and breaking loose and doing what we had to do. I wanna, I'm going to talk about it in a minute, but I, I want to finish on this thought about the fact that we've come together and here's a weekend where Americans who differ Christians and Jews. I talk about fighting to save the cross on Mount Soledad. There were other Jews involved on my side, on our side, on the side of saving that cross, of keeping that war memorial as is, where is. Not moving it, not taking it apart, not changing it. Basically saving the cross, which was the only part of it that was in any contention at all. And the other side, and I've said this over and over, Phil Paulson, who was the person who brought the lawsuit, a combat vet from Vietnam, who I knew pretty well, I've had some major conversations with about his hatred of God. They found a veteran, you know, the ACLU did, to attack this guy. I got what they did. And they fought hard. And, but I never called him names. I, he certainly never called me names. And we didn't like each other. There was definitely, listen, I'm not calling Phil a friend. <laughs> there were things about him when we'd sit and talk, and, but it wasn't a matter of that. We had an interest in this memorial, and we had respect for each other. That's what we have to have in this country. I have gay friends, and I respect them. I, do I agree 100%? No, we differ. But if I said, I don't think gay marriage is an appropriate thing. Some of them will attack me for it. Some of them will think that, you know, will say, oh, I'm anti-gay. It means I hate gay people or whatever. Not at all. Most of my gay friends, it's not like I got hundreds of them, but I definitely four or five, maybe a little more than that, who are my friends. And we talk about these things because I think that to me, this whole trans phenomenon that's been going on, oh, transgender, trans, whatever they're trans, whatever they're doing, it's pedophilia when you start talking about that with little kids. It's wrong. It's pedophilia, plain and simple. But we have to talk about it. And as I pointed out before, you look at the governor's race in Virginia. You know, it was about CRT. I think what really got people upset was the teaching in school that, you know, some kid, some five-year-old is like, are you sure you're, you're a boy? Or are you sure you're a girl? Are you sure you, listen, whatever you want to be. No, 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 no. That's pedophilia, in my opinion. Am I going in there and burning down the schools? <laughs> no. But we're organized. We're getting together to fight for our rights. That's what we should be doing. 
not fighting against the country, not saying it's a racist country or a homophobic country or, I mean, listen, go to some other countries and see how gays are treated. For a while in Germany, there was that backlash. It was a, maybe a strong pushback right after World War I. And then Hitler came along and gays were treated like Jews. They were sent to concentration camps and killed. So I never heard, you know, blacks, I guess there wasn't a large enough contingent of blacks at that time period, but gypsies, almost the entire population was wiped out. Gays, gypsies, Jews, I think even Catholics, whatever it was, was the enemy. We can't treat each other like that. We need to learn. And we need to learn from this Frank James incident. A line has got to be drawn. How many times are people going to be told that you don't have privilege if you're a black person? Oh, that white person has privilege. If you're a black person, you're doomed to failure. This country is treating you wrong. You have no rights in America. You have less rights. You're less than a person. They keep on bringing up everything from the Revolutionary War to the Civil War to the birth of the country. When blacks who came here, mostly who came here were slaves. There were a few that came here from other places in the world and people of color, businesses, and just thrived as Americans. Every black wasn't a slave, but the vast majority were. That was a, a horrible thing. It didn't help. It didn't help the country in any way, shape, or form, no matter what people thought at that time. It was not an economic benefit to the country. And, and that's just a fact, okay? So it was wrong, and we've moved on from that. My God, we've moved on from that, and you wouldn't know it. If you just came here from out of space and, and got in the middle of Chicago or New York City or Oakland or whatever, and you listen to the rantings of people like Frank James, and he's not the only one. It's on and on. You hear it all the time. You see it on Facebook, Twitter, where, wherever, that black people are ranting. White people, it's not just black people, white people taking up that charge. You know, that Colin Kaepernick kind of a thing. We're going to nail it the national anthem and protest of this country being a racist nation. How many times can a person hear that without thinking that they're entitled to retribution? They're entitled to be angry. This guy, Frank James, felt entitled to kill white people. That's what he felt. How many others feel that way, think that way, and don't act on it? For some reason, Frank James did. And maybe we should look at that and say, okay, we got lucky here. You know, nobody was killed. There were some seriously hurt people. It's not a good thing, don't get me wrong. But we got lucky. It could have been a lot worse because it's gun jam. Now, you, can, you want to call it a gun crime? That gun didn't commit a crime. Frank James did. And so have we in continuing this ongoing cheerleading of whites taking advantage of blacks, whites having privilege and blacks being underprivileged. You just can't keep going on like that. It's going to bring more Frank Jameses to the surface. And we need to be together. As Americans, we could split up. There could be this, you know, ongoing Frank James situation where we foster that. If you have a president, this idiot in the White House, I'll say it plain and clear, who wants to keep on calling us a racist nation, who wants to keep on saying through him and his others, Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, saying that the, the biggest problem that facing America is white supremacists. Are you kidding me? I don't know anybody who is a supporter of the Ku Klux Klan, Nazis or neo-Nazism. I'm sure they're around me. There's a small minority of that. I see it. I know it. It's got to be there. It's small. You think that's a big part of our military so that Lloyd Austin has to go through the military and weed out all these haters? It just doesn't make any sense. And if you're going to keep on doing that, you're going to keep on separating this country. You're going to keep on giving the Frank Jameses, you're going to give them reason 
to rebel against America, which is what he did. It's happened. It's right there in front of us. At the same time, we're coming together. We're disagreeing. That's what America's about. We're disagreeing. We're arguing. But we're not hating each other. We need to call each other names and throw rocks at each other. It's got to stop because pretty soon we're going to be in the same situation one way or another as, you know, what's going on in Ukraine. We're going to be there. You know, maybe it won't be the same thing, but it's going to be a situation. And you take a look at Ukraine. Everyone in that country has got to come together and handle that problem, handle the Russian invasion. In one way, shape, or form, we're going to have to come together to handle that. Now, we didn't do a good job during that pandemic, did we? Yeah, we were invaded. We were invaded with a pandemic, with a disease. COVID just attacked the country. And the response initially was like, close this down, close that down, wear a mask, the whole thing. It was wrong. Trump developed the vaccines in record time. And we started to straighten things out. We started to realize, wait a minute. And it was Easter two years ago. that Trump said, by Easter Sunday, we're going to open up the businesses. We're gonna, and it didn't work out. It extended till June and July. Yeah, I remember, you know, when Georgia ended the lockdown and then Florida. But we, we didn't know any better. It's like, you know, going into World War II, when we were ill-prepared. On December 7th, when Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, we weren't prepared for that war, and we should have been. So we weren't prepared for a pandemic. I'm not sure how much we should have been, but if this Anthony Fauci dude was doing his job, we would have been. And now we see what's going on with Russia, with China. We need to come together as a country, not throwing rocks at each other, but preparing to take on whatever contingency comes up, being it Russia, China, you know, some coming together of Iran and ISIS and the rest of that world, the Muslim terror, the Islamic terrorists, that for eight years of Obama, you couldn't say the word. Obama never said Islamic terrorist. He never said radical Islam. He never did. We need to call a spade a spade. And we need to be honest about this. And being honest about this, we need to look inward. And we need to say that we can't accept this name-calling of anybody, let alone white people, to separate us from the, the rest of the country. The rest of the country, whether it's people of color, we're all of color. Some color. White's a color, you know? And it's not white, it's Caucasian. It's whatever beige color. In the summertime, by the way, I get pretty black. <laughs> Dark. We need to accept who we are and embrace who we are. You know, accepting who we are and saying, well, yeah, we're a racist country. <laughs> no, we need to embrace who we are as a great country. And we, we need to understand that we're all flawed. We're all flawed. When you talk about Christianity, the original sin, when you're born, you're born with that sin. You carry that sin. Okay, I don't believe that. But, you know, my vast majority of my Christian friends believe it. And there's a reason. Because you got to accept the fact that we're far from perfect. We're so imperfect, and that's okay. But we need to be one country. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And the best justice that we can give. It's not going to be perfect. It never has been. There's no way. I read this big article about this kid in South Carolina. I just read it this morning. I wake up and I get this thing, Huffington Post. I don't know why I ever read anything from the Huffington Post. Well, this white kid, he attacked this white girl. He's a 16-year-old. Now he's 18, I think. And he attacks this girl in school, sexually attacks. And he gets some mild treatment and he doesn't get... Then he attacks another girl and the same thing. But these are white girls. A white kid and a white girl. The article is all about how white people are privileged. 
because this kid got off so light and he wasn't put in jail and, and become a sex offender. He was given a lower sentence based on assault and battery. And I don't know, maybe the families of these girls are 100% right. And this kid was treated lightly. Was it because he's white? This what this whole argument was about. The whole article was about, and they went back to the Revolutionary War, where, you know, white men were treated better than white women. White women didn't have the right to vote. They didn't, I don't know, did they have the right to ride a horse? Because there was long time they didn't have the right to drive a car. I mean, and so they went all the way back. This is this morning. This guy today is telling me that because I'm white, I have better privilege than somebody else or better privilege than my wife. Listen, no one has better privilege than my wife. <laughs> Come on. You got to laugh at some of this stuff, but you can't laugh at the damage that it's causing. And people think they could just say all these negative things freely. Well, you know what? I am thrilled that I can talk about Elon Musk taking over Twitter. I'm thrilled about it because I've been waiting to see what are we going to do about free speech? What are we going to do about the very First Amendment in this country? Now, of course, we have the freedom to practice all these religions, including Islam in this country. And don't tell me that, you know, I remember right after 9-11, I had Sikh friends, neighbors, Sikhs were Indians, the ones that wear the turbans, the, believe me, battle-hardened people. And when people saw them right after 9-11, they would think, oh, they were in the turban. They must be Muslims. And there were some horrible injustices done. I think there were several killed around the country. I mean, you know, we're talking about bad stuff, okay? Things happen. There are always injustices. Does that mean we're an anti-Sikh country? No. But it does mean that people are free in America, supposedly, to speak out about these things. And so is there going to be some, what you want to call it, pushback against Muslims about Islamics in America after 9-11? I think that's a natural thing. Not to destroy them or their property or damage or injure them. But there was some hard feelings. And it's appropriate. You know, I think we've seen today the difference between what the terrorists we're trying to accomplish and what they were doing to America and what our Islamic neighbors here in America, American citizens are doing. That doesn't mean I agree with all of them. I take a look at Congress and I see those, you know, I'm not going to call them the names I think, but they're horrible people in Congress called the Squad. And some of them seem to be of the Muslim faith. Well, I don't know and I don't care what their faith is. They're horrible people. That's all I care about. But now we've seen them get this quote-unquote preferential treatment on Twitter, on Facebook, and all the social media outlets, and I've been watching it. We see Trump gets kicked off, yet the Ayatollah is still there. It's ridiculous. But that's what's going on. And I've been watching that saying, well, what are we going to do about it? When is someone going to step up? And here we go. Elon Musk steps up. I think it's great. I think it's a phenomenal thing. And I don't know if it's going to be a panacea of, you know, this is the rebirth of free speech in America. I think we have some serious issues. But we're handling it. We're handling it. And nobody's breaking down the TV, you know, antennas are going in bashing down the stations. And, you know, well, they're trying to bash Fox News. <laughs> They've been trying that for years. So, you know, as a country, and I keep saying this, roll right ready. We talk about leadership. We talk about coming together as a country, the importance of handling our issues and our differences in a better way. And if nothing tells you that we haven't reached that tipping point, that tipping point is called Frank James. We need to understand. The damage that we're doing with the damage this vice president is doing, the damage that this president is doing, the damage that's being done to America.
by provoking all these quote-unquote people of color to do whatever you have to do because the worst enemy that we have is the white people who have this privilege and who are holding down all the people of color because that's what they're saying and that's what is being done and we don't have the outlets on social media because anybody that's quote-unquote conservative, which means we don't think that same way as this president and his minions and all these people that voted for him, that's still that 30% or 33% or whatever, that still think he's doing a fine job. They have the microphone. They've got the platform. We don't. And now maybe we will. And that's a big thing. I'm glad to see that. Now, some of the other issues, I'm not going to get to them today, but I do want to talk about them at some point. I want you to think about this. This president has said he's going to fix the problem of the price of gasoline at the pump, which has gone wild. Here in California, $7.750. I'm paying $6.5 a gallon of gas on my motorcycle. It's ridiculous. And what's he saying? You know, he's going to put out the reserves, and it's nothing. Now he's saying he's going to approve 15% ethanol in gas. I think it's from June 1st till September 15th or 30th. Think about it. Ethanol is damaging. This isn't a good thing. This isn't going to help. It's just wrong. As we get closer to that June 1st date, I'm going to talk more about it. But, you know, we're getting closer to this elimination of Title 42. You see that every day on TV and radio and in the news. Title 42 says that we have people coming into this country, whether it's legally or illegally, if they're bringing in anything, they have to have proof that they don't have COVID. They're not bringing in diseases. You know, that's always been the case. When my ancestors came through Ellis Island, they would test it for tuberculosis, whatever the prevalent diseases and conditions were at the time, and right through all time. So now Title 42 is specific about COVID, I believe, and they're going to do away with it as of May 23rd. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. But the border policies or non-policies of this administration, so now we see Governor Abbott of Texas is taking the people that come across the border that are being dropped. You just come in, there they are. Across the border, they got to Texas, there they stay. Well, Abbott says no. He's putting them on buses and he's taking them. Now, he's not taking the hundreds of thousands of them, but he's taking them by busloads to Washington, D.C. And, you know, people call it a trick, a gimmick, political theater, BS, whatever they want to call it. I like Fox News. One of my favorite shows is The Five. I don't like the fact that Geraldo Rivera is on it. I've never liked him. I like Juan Williams. Maybe the same. <laughs> There's a difference. Geraldo pretends to be something he's not. He, he pretends not to be this left winger. And Juan Williams makes no bones about it. He's a total left winger. Now, I, I, trust me. I don't like Juan Williams in that job. I like Harold Ford in that job. Now, he's a real Democrat. He was a, a Democrat congressman for years from Tennessee. And he's a really smart guy. And the Democrat Party would be much better served with a lot more Fords. Harold Ford is a, he's just a, an articulate, bright, guy that you have to respect his opinion even if you don't agree with it it's okay not to agree but anyway i, I get off the subject of Geraldo rivera which i got on because of title 42 because he's making fun of governor abbott sending these buses it may be symbolic but the Geraldo rivera always saying that the latinos he's like he's like a you know the al sharpton of the latino people I don't even know how Latino he is. He was brought up 
pretty much as a rich Jewish kid in New York. Went to the University of Arizona. I don't know why he always champions these illegal aliens coming across our border. I don't know. He thinks he's Cesar Chavez on steroids or something. And he's always defending them. And on the five the other day, I happened to tune in. And there he was, as they were talking about, you know, the concern about all these people and these illegal aliens. And he's saying, but they're just hardworking people. It's because nobody can get people to come to work. But these people come up here, and they come up here from Mexico and Guatemala, and they come here to work and have jobs. And they're not committing crimes. Well, they are committing crimes. How many times do you have to see how many people are killed by illegal aliens? I don't remember the names. I'm sorry. I don't focus on it. But I see it all the time. And how many times when Donald Trump was president, he would bring the families of these people who were killed, many of them Latinos themselves living in border towns. It's not about Latinos, Geraldo. It's about illegal aliens from wherever they come from. They just come through Mexico. That doesn't mean they're all Mexican. I don't know what percentage are OTMs other than Mexicans, but it's big and it's getting bigger. People come in from 150 or more countries around the world on a regular basis, more and more and more. And yes, they bring with them the criminals, the drugs, the fentanyl. And you want to sit there and make light of this? Governor Abbott is trying to highlight some of the things going on around the country by symbolically taking buses, bringing them to Washington, D.C., and I hope he starts bringing them to Delaware, to Joe Biden's house. It's symbolic. Yeah, it's symbolic. But we're talking about it, aren't we? Even Geraldo Rivera is talking about it, saying stupid things, of course, you know, but he's talking about it, and that's what it's all about. I did want to talk about it. I kind of didn't even gloss over it. I didn't talk about it. But as a kid, one of the reasons I love Passover was because it's the history of us, the Jewish people, fighting our way out of slavery in Egypt because we found the leader. It was Moses. And the story of the exodus from Egypt going across the Red Sea opening up, and it was actually the Sea of Palms. We roamed through the desert. The reason we eat matzah because it's unleavened bread. They didn't have time for the bread to rise, so they had unleavened bread. That's how they survived. Bread and water, basically. And then they got across to the Promised Land, to Israel. During that whole trip, that's when they found the Ten Commandments. Moses went up on top of Mount Sinai and spent however long and came down with the two tablets, the Ten Commandments. These are wonderful things that we celebrate. As Jewish kids, you know, we sing the song and talk about the prayers. Why is this night different than all other nights? Because we celebrate how we got free from being slaves for hundreds of years, being slaves in Egypt to find our own country, Israel. We wandered 40 years through the desert, and the great leader, Moses, never even made it to Jerusalem. He never made it to Israel. And it's a marvelous story that we celebrate every year by the traditions and the Seder dinner. When we celebrate, we sit around the table called the Seder. That was the Last Supper, the magnificent painting of Jesus at the table at the Last Supper. Because the next day was Good Friday when he was crucified. And so we come together as Christians and Jews. My Bible, you know, is what you call the Old Testament. I just call it the Bible. And so we are one nation. Jesus was born, lived, and died a Jew. Never heard of Christianity. Never did. But we celebrate. And coming together, that, to me, that's the most important thing we can do. And the most important thing for Americans right now 
if we could just use this weekend to think about that. Maybe when you're listening to this, it's next week. Because <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I do the podcast, but we don't know when it comes out. And, you know, it's got to go through a whole process. People listen to it, edit it, change it. I don't change it. But whenever you're listening to it, I think there's a message here. We're going into a political season. We're going into an election year. But also keep in mind that we want to come together as a nation. That's the goal, to be one nation, again, one nation under God, indivisible, liberty and justice for all, as best you can. There is no real justice in this world. We're all victims of things. It's up to us to rise above it. It's all about an attitude. It's all about being positive, thinking positive. you got to rise above it. And that's hard to say sometimes. You know, even as I'm thinking about when I talk about this, some of the things that I've lived through in my time that I've seen my father and my family live through, and I know it's hard to swallow the fact that it's a matter of rising above, but it is, and we each got to do that. That's the podcast for today. <laughs> I hope you had or have a great Easter weekend. This is Roll Right Radio. I did not get to talk about rolling to remember, and I really wanted to. So next week, as we get closer to rolling to remember Memorial Day weekend in Washington, D.C., as we get closer, and we are, we're going to have to talk about that a lot more because you talk about coming together, the veterans in this country coming together with the Gold Star families and everybody else who counts, in every city and town around the country, by the way, every, everywhere, but in Washington, D.C., where we're the most visible, where we can be heard and seen worldwide, talking about demonstrating our love of our fellow countrymen, that mantra of never leave America behind, which was violated this year in Afghanistan by this administration. Yep, I'm New York Mike, Roll Right Radio. Thanks for listening. I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.